ready to roll. We are back with another edition or the first edition of No BS with Bally and Sloan and Merrifield. We like to throw that in there. You know, we wanted to keep the No BS title, but we had to slip Matt's name in at the very end. Trent Bally here, Luke Sloan, Matt Merrifield, three great buddies from Michigan State University, and we are back at it like a bad habit. Sloan, how you doing, my brother? Well, this is take like three, I think, at this point. So <laughs> we, we, we've got to, we've got a take for, for each member of this uh, podcast. So we've got it down now. We had some internet problems. We had some uh, hardware problems, but it seems like all the kinks have been worked out here at this point. And, you know, barring like some kind of power outages at one of our places of living, which they're very far apart. So one would sabotage everything, but hey, we're off and running. So I've got no complaints at this point. And at this point, we can't rule out anything because last no, week no. when I was trying to record the Motown rundown, my internet went out and it proceeded to be out for like three days because it was over the weekend and that sucked. But hey, Fingers crossed, because we have one heck of an operation to bring the people. But, Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Coming off a uh, little triple-double in IM basketball. Got our first win of the season. Uh, I still haven't hit a three-pointer yet. But uh, Did you, did you finally shower after the game? Are you, cl- are you clean right now for this podcast? I prefer not to answer because my roommate was in the shower when I got home and is oh. still in the bathroom. So, oh, there's that. So it's I his apologize. fault. It's his fault. You're it not his fault. clean. It is. So you fault. did hit a three, but you had a triple double. So you're, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of an NBA player comp to you at this point here. Kristaps Porzingis. It, it was Ooh, points, blocks, bad. and rebounds. So well, see, that's that's key because <laughs> yeah, for, those, for those who don't. <laughs> For those who don't know, Matt here is like how how tall are you, Matt? Like six four. Six four. Matt is six four, so he he can basically block the crap out of whoever he wants and uh, send it back, as they used to say with John Thompson and Pat Ewan at uh at Georgetown. But yeah, we're glad that Matt's fresh off a triple double. Morale is high. Morale is very this show, high. This show is just gonna be whatever. I mean, what you see, what you hear is what you get. We're we're shooting from the hip every single. We're going to try to do one a week. There's it's no BS, so there's, you know. There's no BS. No BS. Sloan, do you want to drive on as far as the, the history of the three of us here and uh, and what brought us here today? Well, what brings us? There's a lot of history. A lot of history between all of us here. We met in a beautiful place called East Lansing, Michigan. This was the fall of 2021, a mere months before you and I graduated Trenton. And, and the, the pup of the group here still has got a couple more years to put in and fight City. But we came together through the best college radio station in the world. That would be WDBM East Lansing. We'll always rep it. I was wearing a shirt yesterday that said Impact on it. So shout outs forever. We met at the station. Uh, we be quick became quick friends and uh, radio partners as well. We had a little thing called the Green and White Report, which this guy over here co-hosts right now. He's got his green and white hat on right now. And really, the rest is history. And now we've decided that many years have gone by since we've been in East Lansing together. We're quite washed up. Me, you know, I'd say leading the way in that regard. Trent, you got a post on social media about me being washed up this afternoon. But we're oh, very I'm washed up. We're, we're trying to get the train back on the tracks. We had something going once upon a time. We're trying to get the train right back on the tracks. And this is part of that effort. Yeah, excuse me. Sloan and I here co-host a Green and White Report for our senior year, and it was probably the most fun I've ever had doing sports media or anything in that arena, if you will. So it'll never be this is, a, 
This is an attempt to get back at it. We'll see how it goes, but if nothing else, we're going to bring a lot of that format back to this show, and we're just going to have some fun with it. We're not live this time, so we do not need to comply with FCC regulations. No. Not that we ever did in the first place. We're going to break all of them. And, and we have no time limit. We're going to try to keep it around an hour, but you never know. You got three friends talking sports. It's the old joke about dudes can sit around and name random players for hours and never get sick of it. So, Which we've done, by the way, before. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd just like to point that out. You know, shout out, uh, you know, uh, shout out uh, Jace Billingsley and uh, Chris Durham. <laughs> it's Jace Billingsley. Shout out to Issa Abdul Kadus and uh, Tom Kennedy. James E. All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> again, that could go on forever. The good news is you, the listener, can skip through whatever you want to skip through. But I'll tell you right now, you're not going to get any BS from the three of us because this is no BS, baby. This is episode one, so I got to beat the title into the ground. No BS. Should we get after it? Should we do it? I'm ready to go. We've got a loaded sheet here. The, the, this is a Google document that's just flavored with all kinds of great stuff, so. There's going to be no shortage here, none. And by the way, our little setting the tone open there, uh, we marked that at five minutes, and we're in, we're in the five-minute mark right now. So, you know, credit okay. to us. We're true pros. We're back at now. it. This start. is just like we're doing radio up there in Fight City again. This is this is like we didn't skip a beat here. Come on now. I'll tell you what. When we did Green and White, see, this is where I'll go way off the tracks. Sloan and I, the, the clock was not our friend back in no. those days. No, this guy, this guy right here, producer Merrifield, producer Henry Menegos, they had to keep us quite on track because we uh, we're known to get off in a couple tangents, just a couple, just a couple. Well, let's hey, start on another one. One o'clock came around, the, 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 the light went off though. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's right. We always landed the plane somehow, some way. But guys. We are three, two of us are alums of Michigan State. Matt, soon to be, hopefully, uh, barring anything unforeseen or tragic. Get it done, young man. We're going to do the green and white gauntlet. Names of all these segments are subject to change because, admittedly, I did them this morning. For those who don't know, I do a little morning show, 6 to 10 a.m. I'm a producer down here in Florida. So I usually take a monster nap every day from about 10.30 to 3 o'clock. And that's kind of where I get half my sleep. Anyways, I put this sheet together before the nap. So some of these ideas are a little, they're either in their infancy or they're just straight up bad. But we're doing the green and white gauntlet. That's what we're going to call it for episode one. There's seeds that are being planted in the ground. And right now we're pouring a, the watering can on them and making sure that the they're getting sun and stuff. They're, this is in its infancy. This is just a baby here. Maybe, it's slow, maybe we call it the green and white garden. It could be. You're well, everybody, listen, everybody's welcome in our garden. So, you know what? That's right. This garden will grow and we will grow in it together because <laughs> that's just how it's going to be. Well, <laughs> the first, first order of business, I want to kick this to Matt first because Matt covered the football team this last season in East Lansing. Horrendous season for the Spartans, as we all know, losing close games to Iowa, all sorts of stuff, not bowl eligible, losing the that team down the road, 49 nothing. We don't have to get into all the, the the axes that we have to grind with this program. And this isn't necessarily news at this point, but it's something that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet because this is, of course, the pilot episode. I want everyone's thoughts on the Jonathan Smith hire in East Lansing. How big of a deal is it? Can he restore the uh, – I wanted to say restore the roar. That's not the right term. 
But can he bring Michigan State back to a respectful, respectable area? And Matt, we'll go to you first. It's got to be. He was in the yeah, opening th- press conference. He was asking questions. This is our official uh, Michigan State Athletics insider these days. Trent, you and I are on the outside, so we don't know. Oh, we don't, we don't, know, we don't know enough. From all things, I, I think I'm happy with where Michigan State football is at, all things considered. I don't think it can get any worse than last season was, if we're being completely frank. Um, but I would have to say some of the moves he's made so far, obviously, I think we're pretty much all happy with the coaching staff that's he's brought in. Um, he brought over the Minnesota defensive coordinator, bringing along uh, the offensive coordinator with him as well, quarterback coach. So I, I can't imagine it's any worse than what it's been. Um, he's brought in some solid talent. I will see if Aiden Childs can be that quarterback. I think some people have him to be the Messiah. We'll see. And he's still young, didn't play a lot last year. You can mark me under um, that I don't, person. I don't see any reason why this team can't be a bowl team next year. I have the schedule other than Oregon, Ohio State, and Michigan isn't that difficult. Uh, we still don't have a 12th opponent yet. I'm still waiting on that uh, little announcement. Yeah, what's up Louisiana with that? Just, that is- Louisiana just said, we don't want to play, and then just – Said no, goodbye. And- Boston College doesn't have a head coach right yeah, now. Yeah, I was going to say, I can Or maybe it was a Belichick right now, son or something. Yeah, BC doesn't even know who's going to lead them in a battle. So I, the, there's 10 opponents on the schedule at this point. Which is bizarre. But, um, yeah, Matt, so, I agree. As far as the- I'm happy with them. <laughs> yeah, I like, like you said, to win five games last season and how horrendous that team was. So, uh, if for crying out loud, you can win one more and get to six this year. They almost did it last year, despite all their warts. But Sloan, I know that you are drinking the green Kool-Aid. You are pumping yep. the tires for Jonathan Smith. So I will let you drive. Well, it's important that there's a, we have, this team has a quarterback. Aiden Childs is a legitimate human quarterback. He's got, you know, functioning legs and an arm and, and, and he's, he's going to be ready to go. And this is a team that didn't have a quarterback or the quarterback for all of last year. So that's automatically a plus that I see. We've got a football team down the road in U of M that doesn't have a quarterback right now and plenty of other ones from coast to coast that don't. So there, there, there's automatically one foundational piece, and he's got every tool you want in a, in a signal caller that's got NFL potential. But with Jonathan Smith, and obviously we're still in our infancy of getting to know who he is and what he's going to bring to the table I watched a decent amount of Oregon State football the past few years just because they were pretty good, fun story, a bit of a meme team, social media darling. So I watched a little Beaver football. What Jonathan Smith is going to bring in, hopefully, if all pans out here in the next couple of years, is, is, is an identity for this team on both sides of the ball. You look at the Mel Tucker era at Michigan State. Can either one of you tell me, like, what was the identity of, of, of those clubs on, on defense? Or I have an answer. Other than being crummy. What was the goal? Offensively, offensively, it was find the NFL talent and get them the ball as much as possible. Kenneth Walker, Keon Coleman, Jaden Reed, even Connor Hayward. Like the only players that produced for this team the last couple of years has been guys that are now in the league or about to be in the league that are uber talented. And which you now see that anyway. hindsight. So you're you're exactly like, right. I mean, yeah, but it literally was you- just throw. Throw it up to Jaden Reed. Let him go catch the football. Throw it up to Keon Coleman. Let him catch the football. Throw it up to Connor Hayward, and he'll run somebody over. So I I didn't necessarily think it was the worst thing in the world, but definitely, I mean, Mel Tucker's whole thing was like social media and being the young flash. It, it, I mean, I could take it or leave it. So now that it's gone, I I have no problem with Jonathan Smith and the 
The thing that I think is really going under the radar is he left his alma mater to be here. And I understand that, you know, it, it, the, the money talks and everything. And Michigan State is no doubt a better program, even on its worst years, worst days than the Beavs. But, you know, to leave your alma mater to come into a situation where the Big Ten's only getting stronger and to, to basically take over this mess that Mel Tucker left behind, he seems driven to want to make an impact there. But if anyone else has any more thoughts on Jonathan Smith, you know, of course we'll keep tabs, spring football. Everyone loves some spring football in East Lansing, as we know, but we'll circle back on this. Ability is nice, too, at this point. You look at the final two years of the Tucker era. I mean, you know, everything that transpired off the field was a distraction for the locker room because those guys are all in the foxhole together. They know exactly what's going on. It's like word gets around. I'm sure it was something that was in the back of the players' minds. Then you had turmoil this year with the firing and staff turnover and Mark D'Antonio being resurrected, And which I, I just wanted to make him the head coach. I thought that would have been electric. Running into Thunderstruck again was electric. I got to witness it one time at Spartan Stadium this year. It was awesome. But it, it represents stability. It's a blank slate. It's a completely new coaching staff. And you're going to have new identities on both sides of the ball. You've got a defensive coordinator who – has coached in the you know coordinated defenses in the Big Ten for the, be- the better part of the last decade. Three of them were top ten, top twenty units in the country in the last just six years. And on offense, you know exactly what's going to be. It's going to be two tight ends. They're going to try to pound the football, and it's going to be they're, they're going to have an identity. Jay Johnson's offense. He came in. He said he was going to use tight ends. Said a lot of things, and now none of it ever came to fruition. You pay a million dollar offensive line coach to develop talent. He was able to recruit. Capital, which was able to recruit talent, it was never able to develop talents. And it, it, this is an opportunity to turn the page. And scandal or no scandal, we might be talking about the same things right now at this point because there's no reason to say that Mel Tucker would have survived another year without making a bowl. So change was inevitable at some point. The program was not headed in the right direction, even pre scandal. The five and seven year last year was a disaster. And, you know, shout out that missed field goal against Indiana at that game I was at where I was freezing and there were like 10,000 people in Spartan stadium. It change feels really refreshing. And I think people are embracing it. And to Merrifield's point, there's no reason why they should make a bowl game next year. The schedule is really favorable. You've got talent on paper between Aiden Shiles and, and some of the returning players on defense who I really like and are, who are still young. There's no reason why this team should not be able to put six, seven, maybe eight wins together. Maybe eight wins. Yes, I am drinking that green Kool-Aid. I love it. I love it. And like I said, we'll circle back on that. We'll do a whole preview for the MSU football season as Matt gets geared up to, to cover another run here. Uh, let's let's move right along here because we are all hoops fans. We are all diehard hoops fans. And much more than that, we are all diehard college hoops fans. And Michigan State, Looks like another tournament team this year. Preseason expectations, very high, of course, which has some of the fan base clamoring for, for change at the top and this, that. I don't ever go that far. But um, big win over uh, with Maryland on Saturday coming off. And as we sit here today and record on a Monday night, they play tomorrow at the barn. And Ben Johnson and the Golden Gophers, and he's kind of turned that program into a formidable opponent, shall we say. Uh, whether or not they actually have any success in the postseason. But I just want to look at their schedule, guys, because it looks like there is a really good opportunity here for Michigan State and Tom Izzo and the boys to go on a run. You do have to play Illinois in the middle of this. 
and you play Purdue uh, basically to start March, everyone's favorite month. But other than that, Matt, I see a lot of potential wins on the schedule. So I want to ask you, and I know I could be jinxing the jinxing the hell out of this team. They might lose at the barn tomorrow. But when does Michigan State lose its next game? If they're going to lose one of the two this week, I, I can see them dropping the game tomorrow. Uh, for how average the Big Ten has been, uh, Minnesota's won their last two, including they won against Northwestern on Saturday in overtime. So um, both teams are coming off two straight wins. So one of them's just bound to drop a sinker as all these teams in the big 10 like to do this year. Cause it's such a mediocre conference. Once you get past like the top three teams. Um, but man, at the, at home against Illinois and Saturday, it's one of those games where you don't want to say you have to have it. Cause it is a top 10 team, but after the close loss you had in champagne in January, like it's one you really just get a quad one win, just a really solid win show that you can beat a big team because you've played a lot of really, really good teams close so far this year. Just find a way to get one. After that, they shouldn't lose again until Purdue. Like, there's zero excuse to lose at home to Iowa or Ohio State. Penn State and Michigan are both not good basketball teams. Um, and then that leads you right up to Purdue. I don't know. And you saw what Mackey. Penn State did down at uh, Assembly Hall this uh, past week here. Oh, but the love Mike Woodson, so, like, but come on now, got You got they got to get that train back on the track. Oh, he's, that, he's, but that's what I'm saying. The entire Big Ten is just in shambles right now, other than a handful of teams. And Michigan State's, I think, in that rare like air with them, Northwestern, Nebraska, where it's like they're not completely mediocre, where they're obviously a tournament team, but it's like I don't want to the like, Jets on, and I don't want to like nerd out here and lose our you know entire listenership here through one episode but i'm going to push back on something you said a little bit i think penn state is one of those teams that is bad but fun kanye clary is a really good player he can fill it up <laughs> shout out I... johnson by the way they got him the transfer from uh from north uh, carolina everyone's familiar with him because he's played in a lot of tournament games they're bad but they're also kind of fun and i'm not really shocked they went into indiana and won bad but fun come on no no there's not a lot of bad but fun teams all the, the fun teams. for penn state basketball left when micah shrewsbury took the job himself then hey and we sloan, all all of us here on that one because sloan loved micah shrewsbury yep from the beginning keep, listen keep the romanticism the alive the seat we talked about planting seeds the seeds that micah planted <laughs> are growing there's a student section at Penn State basketball games these days. There never used to be yeah, one. Yeah, they stormed the free Shrewsbury. They have the slowest court storming in the history of college hoops. Also, I don't think you court storm in that uh, situation. You know, not like to gatekeep or anything here, but I'd say that was like a C minus court storm. But anyways, I got what, off, Wisconsin? off the rails here at this point. Well, okay. Shout out Are you no, I, I, dude, trust me. If we could just basically do an hour on college hoops, we would. And trust me, we will get back into a lot of the national landscape as the time goes on. We just, you know, I got to listing things on the dock and we unfortunately just kind of ran out of time. But as it now is February, we will talk more college hoops. To answer this question, I don't think state loses again till Purdue. I'll just go on the record and say that. I do think that you got a little, I don't want to call it a trap game because Minnesota is good, but. You got a test at the barn tomorrow. I do think, however, that the two wins the Spartans have gotten in a row, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a springboard. There's confidence. Malik Hall is playing really well right now. Uh, A.J. Hogard still has a little bit more to give. I believe Tyson Walker is 10 points away from, you know, breaking. Uh, what, whose streak is it that he's going to break, Matt? I'm sure you've seen it. The uh, double digits in a row. 
I believe it's Kalen Lucas is right. It is Kalen Lucas. Yes. And, and that's an over decade streak. Not a huge deal, but yeah, like you said, Sloan, it's been over 10 years, well over 10 years since he was playing in the green and white. So there's I mean, that really good uh, players have come through uh, here since then. So, you know, Right, like a Denzel Valentine, Xavier Tillman, Jaron Jackson. He wasn't here long enough, but you get the point. So, we'll again, we'll circle back on all that stuff as we go. I really hope that this is the start of a really fun team for us to cover and talk about on No BS. Real quick before we move on from, from this little green and white gauntlet garden, whatever the hell you want to call it, um, Matt, you've been following the MSU hockey team somewhat closely, and that's that's a nationally ranked team right now, to say the least. I just want to give you the floor right there to bring some people up to speed on what's going on at Munt. Yeah, I've been kind of relegated, not really relegated, because it's going to be a lot of fun to cover them, but I'm the one of the beat reporters now for Impact to finish out the year, so I'll be at LCA on Saturday, and I'll be at Yost on Friday night. I mean, they fell to nine after losing a split in the series with Notre Dame this weekend. Um, the four games prior, or three games prior, four or five games prior to their win on Saturday against Notre Dame, the series against Michigan and the series against Minnesota, you kind of got a little worried because two both very good teams in Michigan and Minnesota, they struggled a bit, fell behind in all four of those games. And then they had the loss on Friday night to Notre Dame, but they showed it had a really nice win Saturday night. So, I mean, this team, they got a real shot at winning the big 10 tournament or big 10 regular season title for that, which they've never done before. Um, they have that series coming up in the first weekend of March against Wisconsin that should and will most likely decide the standings. Um, I mean, this is a fun team. And what Adam Nightingale's done for this program, just at Mon on every Friday and Saturday, is packed 7,000 people every single night. Um, it, it's just awesome to see for what is Michigan State's a hockey school. Like, they're not, like, I mean, obviously a basketball school, but they care about hockey, especially when the team is good and it's been way too long since they've been good. But it's nice to see that they're finally back and nationally recognized. Hey, Alan Haller does not miss on coaching hires between between Freilich and Nightingale and Hostler. He, he's just rolling off coaching search after coaching search that's produced results pretty much immediately. So shout out to Alan, by the way. Indeed. And real quick, before we completely move on from the green and white, Sloan, I want you mentioned Freilich. I want to give you 30 seconds because before we started recording, you talked about how women's hoops is back in East Lansing. All right. So I would. Went to dinner this evening in Michigan State. Uh, they were on the Big Ten Network, so I was able to watch them on a TV at the, the restaurant I was at. And it's it's really interesting how it's gone. You'd think, it, I mean, you know, you lose minimal talent off last year's team. You think you're probably going to lose a lot in terms of your veterans leaving or players that could have come back for a fifth year that, you know, could have opted out but then came back. So you bring back people like Mo Joyner and A. Ralts and, and, uh, you know, Tori Osmond, too. And and it's kind of an older team of of players that have played a lot of Big Ten basketball. And you bring in someone in Freyluk who got things done at Bowling Green. Merrifield, what you can probably talk, you know, more vividly about this team than me. But as a casual watcher this year, it's been a it's been it's been fun to see them good. They struggled the last few years and. You know, that was after they had a lot of history and tournament history under Susie Merchant of pretty much being a consistent team that could punch their ticket every year. And it's, you know, there's a lot of pride in, in, in having your school be one that can say, hey, our men's and women's teams both punch their ticket every single year in March. Like, that's really a point of pride. And hopefully having her here and, and can bring this team back up to the level that it should be, in my opinion. Fun team. Beat Minnesota tonight. The men's team's going to beat Minnesota tomorrow. The vibes are good. 
They yeah, sure I mean, are. And at 17 and five, the bracketologists have them around the eight or nine seed line. I don't know. Could get way higher, of course. What do they know? Nothing. Could have beat Iowa and Caitlin Clark in That's Iowa. Right. Played them very hard. So there's there's that. Matt, do you have any thoughts on, on our women? I mean, Sloan pretty much covered it. I think it's just for there's a lot of holes on this team, even for what they brought back with a lot of guards, but they have no big man. Julia Aral is the center for this team at 6-1, I believe. Um, but she's done a great job at that five spot. They play small ball, but it works. Uh, they shoot the lights out, and they're bringing in, bringing in some size. They have Mary Meng, who's like a 6'4 freshman. They just got to commit that 6'5 as a center. Um, so I'm interested to see how this team does going forward as a program and what Freyla can build. But for this year alone, um, with the talent that's been there and somebody who's seen it, like as I covered the team last year, and I saw the talent that they had. They could have been good enough to be a tournament team. They just couldn't put it together, and Coach Freyla's done that. So it's been a lot of fun. All right, our next segment, we're going to call this the Detroit Dance. Again, working title, because that sounds a little soft and a little bit, you know, not exactly what we're going for. It sounds like the antithesis of Detroit, but nonetheless, it's supposed to sound fun, damn it. I mean, we, we're, we're three fun. guys. I'm having fun. We we love that we we love to hit the dance floor. We love to hit the bar. We love Bill Raftery, all that. You throw that in a pot and mix it up, and you get this. This is the Detroit Dance. <laughs> All we're going to do here, this is just a good outlet for us to just basically cover some talking points on what's going on with the four professional teams in Detroit. We are all, of course, fans. Matt is full transparency, not 100% Detroit, but being from he's Macomb. A, he's weird. Always, he's so weird. We don't, we're, not even gonna, we're not even going to get into his professional team preferences because they're just – It'll they're, come they're, up at some point. He, no, he, just, he, okay. He's a mean. It's a day-by-day basis. Tell the people who you root for, and you can't give any rationale. You just have to tell them the names okay. of the teams, and then we'll move on. All right, NHL, San Jose Sharks, uh, MLB, I'm a Tampa Bay Rays fan, NFL, I'm an Indianapolis Colts terrible, fan, and then terrible. the NBA. I, I don't have an NBA team because I don't give a crap about the NBA because it's kind of an awful product, in my opinion. That's a um, bad take. But I was – this was started when LeBron went. I can't give rationale, but I I do like the Heat. I just like the way they run things, but I'm not a Heat fan. So if they have any success, I don't try and act like I'm a part of that. So I just enjoy rooting for the Heat just as a franchise. But other than that, and then obviously Michigan State is, I believe, green and white, of course. You don't, yeah. like, the, you don't like the product right now in the league? the association? I I actually, it's grown on me a little bit, but still. Like, there's players I like, but I can't. There's just so much talent. Like, last night I was yeah, watching, like, I was watching Nuggets Blazers last night. Random game. And you'd think, oh, it's, you know, the Nuggets Blazers. Blazers are terrible. But it's like, it it, it, it it makes it an entertaining watch, in my opinion. I'm a nerd. But you look at even Portland, and they still have Anthony Simons and Jeremy Grant and Scoot Henderson. There's just, the NBA is becoming like the NFL, where talent is just spread out so much that some of these markets my are with the NBA, My problem with the NBA is it's a talent and player individual based league, but it's a team sport. Like it's the only league. Like, I mean, the NFL has its stars that they care about, but it's a team sport. You care about the teams and the NBA people care about the players. I think more than the teams themselves. Well, yeah, and and I it's that's a good baseball point. Can't and the stars the are bigger than the teams. LeBron is bigger than any team in this league, in my opinion. And I think a lot of that has to just do with the nature of the beast and the market. You're 100 right, but it's just the marketability. Like how LeBron is more marketable, marketable, excuse me, than even the Lakers are sometimes. And it's like, how did we get here? You think about like the 80s and 90s when the Lakers were doing their thing, and now it's like people. 
these talking shows like this one. They literally just talk about LeBron. They don't talk about the Lakers and what the Lakers have to do. I mean, half the time they don't even acknowledge that they have another top 15 player in the league in Anthony Davis. I might have just lowballed you there, AD. My bad. But we'll get into all that later. I just wanted Matt to list his team fandom because, like Luke said, it is bizarre. But nonetheless, Matt does kind of he's he's in Detroit's corner. He backs Detroit, and mm-hmm. I guess I'll get us I'll get us kicked off here with a with a little bit of a Lions discussion because, of course, the Lions making a run to the NFC Championship game, seven point dogs in San Francisco. They're up 17 at halftime, and then things come crumbling down. We don't have to break down the game and all that because, I, quite frankly, I don't think I can emotionally handle it. But, Sloan, I want to ask you as a diehard Lions fan, how, how are you coping with the loss? We're now a week removed, eight days removed. Is it starting to feel normal that the ride is over? Are you, are you feeling happy? Are you proud? Are you still sad? How are you coping? It's funny you bring this up. I was thinking about uh, my fandom barometer as we speak right now. It's the nature of what's happened with this team over the past six months is is all celebratory, in my opinion, in terms of winning a division for the first time in 30 years, hosting a home playoff game for the first time in 30 years, winning a playoff game for the first time in 30 years and the second time in freaking however long. It's all been a celebratory nature. But on that note, you think I'm reading articles about the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, this Super Bowl, that I don't, I don't even really want to watch. I it, it still breaks my heart how this team could be in that dance here coming up. On, we're doing the Detroit dance. We could be in that dance coming up here on Sunday in Vegas, which is an awesome stage. Instead, you've got the Niners, who I'm quickly starting to find more unlikable, and that's not just because they beat my team. And then you've got Kansas City, who wasn't that good this year and is really becoming unlikable, in my opinion, quickly with all of the antics they had this season. Not excited to watch the Super Bowl. Wish like hell my team was in it. And it you you think back of all the of, of the blow after blow in the second half of that collapse against San Francisco. And it's not something that I don't I don't think we should chronicle blow by blow because we've had enough of that as fans here the last couple of weeks because it's been torture. It feels like yeah. someone's like shoving an ice pick in, in, my, in my foot or something. It's terrible. But <laughs> it's it, it's celebratory. I still think, you know, you, you saw Brad Holmes. Once again, like you said, Trent, we're recording on a Monday. You saw Brad Holmes at the podium this afternoon in Allen Park talking about the future of this team, the foundation they built through this draft, and really everyone before that, too, that Holmes and Campbell have been here for. We're in a pretty good spot at this point. You look at, at the roster, and you're talking about attacking free agency in the draft, not as, uh, you know, best player available as some of these. No, we're, we're, we're filling holes on a team that's really good and talented, like – you're going to go in as the favorite to win the division again next year, even though it's going to be better. You know, this we should attack the offseason with, with a positive mindset. And it's a loser's mentality not to, in my opinion. You have to keep I, things I in perspective. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. No, I was just going to like ask, well, because someone kind of touched on about watching the Super Bowl. Does, for both of you, like, does this ruin, does that loss last weekend ruin the Super Bowl for you? Like, I've heard people, I've had people claim they will not watch or do not want to watch the Super Bowl simply because the Lions lost last weekend. And I the have answer, thoughts on that. My, like, quick and easy answer to your question is yes. Like, it, it did ruin the spirit of the game when you're when, when your team is so close. I think any fan base, no matter what color they're wearing, can agree. But 
I'll still be watching to do my due diligence as, a, as someone who is responsible to watching these games. But am I excited to watch it? No, not really. I'm not planning a party. I mean, from the Lions' perspective, the Lions have, I mean, never been in the Super Bowl, right? So, I mean, I understand this is different because you were right there and you had it in your hands. But I don't think that should change the outlook you have on the season. You had, I mean, did things you hadn't done in 30, 50 years, right. um, which needs to be remembered. And I don't know, like, as, as Michigan State fans, we've had years where losing in the Final Four, that hasn't stopped me from watching the title game. And, I mean, I... I don't know. And maybe it's not the exact same because it's the Super Bowl. It's the game of the year and everybody's watching. But I just I don't know. I feel like it's a bit dramatic to sit there and say, like, I'm not watching. I'm not going to do a Super Bowl it's party. It's a little bit of a like, double whammy for at least me personally. I've been a Lamar Jackson defender and fan for a long time. And it was agonizing to see Baltimore lose to Kansas City. And then it was agonizing again to see, obviously, my Lions lose and not punch their ticket so like it was it was a punch to the gut and it was a punch to the head for me about a week ago so that's kind of extra motivation because i was all over the ravens all year so to be honest with you both um you know you had someone like mike mcdonald he's now gone you need to capitalize with him in the building because he's a stud love his prospects as a head coach lamar puts together another mvp type season you know it doesn't result in an afc championship feels bad you know it it, it, that, that's another reason why I'm not that pepped up about this. I don't know about you, Trent. I mean, and I'm just annoyed at Kansas City. I, I yeah. used to think I used to find Patrick Mahomes pretty likable. My that fire has kind of died inside me. They're they're kind of becoming a meme team, in my opinion, and I'm tired of it. I don't think they were that good this year. They were not that good this year. I wanted that's, Buffalo to beat them too. That's the other thing. Sloan is like this is the worst Chiefs team of this whole regime, and they're right back in the Super Bowl. It just makes you hate that. And as a fan base that, like Matt said, was so close to getting there, it stings a little more. But I think Sloan, something that I 100% agree with that you pretty pretty much nailed home. Uh, you got to keep everything in perspective. You got to zoom out, and you got to remember that yes, coming into this season, there were expectations for the first time in a very long time. Guess what? The Lions met those expectations every step of the way. Their Vegas over-under win total was nine and a half after they won nine games last year. I thought that was ridiculously low as it is, but to win 12 games, 14 if you count the playoffs, win the division, like Matt said, for the first time as it's currently constructed, all that stuff's huge. And I don't want to say that everything else was gravy because with new information, you're allowed to change your opinion on things. And that's why I thought when the Cowboys lost to the Packers right before the Lions Rams game, that was a chance to really, I don't want to say reset your expectations, but to realize and be in the moment that they could really go on a run here. And, and that, that was all in front of you. And I don't even want to get into the 17 point halftime lead and all that stuff, but I just wanted to bring that up because Sloan, I think you're exactly right. You look at the five guys that were at the Pro Bowl games this weekend. I understand that's a clown show, but five dudes, Sam Laporta, Get rid of, that. Gibb, Get rid of it all. Penny Sewell, Aiden Hutchinson, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Five guys that are all on their rookie contracts. Brad Holmes, fire me up. Dan Campbell, fire me up. I still love you. Um, all that stuff. I just, the Super Bowl, it takes a little bit of the juice out. I agree with both of you. And, you know, to be a responsible person in, in this business, of course I'm going to watch but I, I'm not looking forward to it per se. And I hope that makes sense. But. The other thing that stings a little bit, I think, which I've had a lot of thought about this, what they did and what, what they were able to put together this year, miraculous, fun, enjoyable, 
memories as a fan that I'll always have. You the other thing you think about too is you don't get two playoff games every year. You don't get to an NFC championship game every year. Dan Campbell said it in the locker room and he said it to the media. He said, Hey, you know, this could be our only shot at this thing. It's like, and that is a reality of this. It's hard to win in this league. NFC is really talented. You know, division is going to be good next year. Maybe you're not back again. I have hope that this team will be because the foundation is built so well. You obviously bring both coordinators back. Now you're bringing the entire core of this team back. And I'm sure that, Guys like Josh Reynolds, you know, drops aside. And some of these other complimentary guys who are free agents who could be brought back, you know, we'll tweak this thing, bring back the people we need to, and and let the ones go that we could, you know, find replaceable. I've got a lot of hope they can make it back there because the foundation's really strong. But that is another thing that gives you a little bit of pause is, you know, when you're, when you're on the brink of a Super Bowl like that, it's hard to make it back. And it does make it feel really, it, it's part of the sting in my opinion. This is a great segue into Mike Merrifield's question of the week. Matt, I'll let you drive on this because this is obviously your dad and this is his contribution to the show. But ask, what, what's our question for this week? Yeah, so I, I texted him asking if he had any questions. And then he sent me like four ranging from the state of college football to uh, NBA stuff to about the lions and i said it just needs to be one just one question of the week so he decided to settle on the lions these other ones for um next and week. his question of the week exactly um because we're not I'm live so he can't listen and send his questions and there's no ticket text or anything so uh <laughs> impact gets at least one in so his question of the week is <laughs> will the lions get back to the level they reached this year and I'll I'll answer this quickly because I think I pretty much just gave I mean Sloan and I pretty much gave our answers already but I just to double down the core is young the culture's there the Lions got the monkey off their back there's now no more pressure to oh they I mean hell they could they could go ten and seven and maybe not even win the North next year and still be able to go on a run again that's the getting the monkey off your back of winning the North was that big of a deal winning those home playoff games and now it's kind of like you can roll into next season with all the confidence in the world, all the fire under your belly on all that good stuff. And I really, I believe they will. Cause I also, my thoughts on this is I think the Lions were maybe one step ahead this season. It doesn't mean that they couldn't have made it to the Super Bowl, but had they made it, would they have been favored? No. I mean, I don't think it mattered who came out of the AFC. They probably would have been another touchdown underdog, but I don't want to get into all that. It's just, they might've been a little bit of a step ahead this season, but it was an important step to take nonetheless. I did think they overachieved as well. And you you know my answer to this question as well. I think I don't think I don't just think they can reach the level they did this year again. I think that we have a Super Bowl window open at this point with, with the staff that we have in place. I thought Terrell Williams was a great add to it as well. You know, that you know, maybe he can get the pass rush going a little bit more. Some of these guys like Levi and you know, some guys you'd like to see, see step up, Roderick Martin. The window is open. There are it, next year is going to be different. I loved being a Lions fan this year because we, we we were able to be in that foxhole underdog position a lot because we had, didn't win the division last year and didn't make the playoffs last year and it felt really fun to be that upstart team. We're not the upstart team anymore. We're going to be picking right at the bottom of the first round. We're going to have a first place schedule next year. We're going from a team that is, you know, kind of the, you know, the lowly little lions to the team that we're going to be hunted now. People are coming for us. It that's going to be different. 
it's going to be, it's going to feel weird to enter that season with that mindset of we are the class of this division. We're the ones that people are coming for. We're going to play in prime time plenty, but that we've earned all of that. And, and it's a position where, you know, Dan Campbell was able to mold this team and its underdog mindset into be into legitimacy again. And I don't have any problem. I don't think there's going to be any problem with him molding the locker room now to handle those expectations. He he is the master motivator in any situation, in my opinion, not just for a team of underdogs. He will have the the message will be a lot different in camp this year, but it'll be the same thing. People are coming for us. You know, we're the class of this, but you know, there's still more to do. I've got no problem. It's going to be different, but he's still going to motivate this team. And I think they could still go back to that level and, and exceed it. I, I It could be as soon as next year, in my opinion, too. If you look at, if you look at how things are going to go, the Cowboys could be, you know, they could fall off the face of the earth. Who knows? It, you know, the division's going to be tough, but you know, Green Bay, are they going to be a Cinderella again? You never know. San Francisco, they could have cap problems. Maybe Devo Samuel isn't there anymore next year. I don't know. A lot of questions. Offseason's going to be fun. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm going to go with the answer of if the Lions take care of what they need to take care of, obviously in the offseason there are some holes they have to address. There's a couple key spots on the defense. The secondary has to be addressed and need another pass rusher specifically. Um, But the one thing that worries me is the NFC North is going to be loaded next year. I mean, the Packers are only going to get better. Like, and we talk about the Lions being young. The Packers are somehow younger. It feels like I know they're in cap hell, but they the are younger. Time, they're the youngest team in the league. Fugazi. It's like cap space is important. You can move I around think money. Jeff Halfley will be good. So, um, from that standpoint, the Bears, whatever they choose to do, they 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 might have too many options with what they can do with that number one pick. Where they might honestly, if Ryan Poles could play himself out of their bright future depend i mean i don't think there's a wrong decision but at the same time now we see like 10 three years from now there could be a wrong decision so uh they have that on their hands the vikings are not in a great spot but then again they were a playoff team had Kirk cousins not blown out his achilles so from that right. standpoint uh, i mean it's just, there's there's a lot of good teams they have to make sure they address what they need to address i think they can get back and if i had to bet on it i would but it's i, I just I don't know. I think the one thing that worries me is Brad Holmes stays a little too patient in the offseason, and that could come back to bite him in the ass. But other than that, but I see no reason why they can't be back. Um, but I know, like chord. my dad's pointed. You struck a bit of a chord with the Americans. But I think we touched on the Packers. But this Bears team, building on your point about them a little bit, I I really like the spot that they're in. I, I think that they're going to have a quarterback either way. Fields turned some heads at, at, at the second half of last year, or Caleb Williams. I think that uh, Shane Waldron was a really good hired offensive coordinator. He's a you know he was what he did in, in Seattle was impressive the last few years with Geno Smith. You look at their defense, adding Montez Sweat and having Eberflus conduct the orchestra on that side of the ball. They played like a top ten unit the second half of the year. Jalen Johnson's really good. The Bears are a hungry team too. I think. Cole Komet, DJ Moore, they're they're closer to, you know, they were a bit Lions-like, Lions of last year. The Bears of this year were kind of the Lions of last year, a little bit this yeah. year in certain ways, so they could hypothetically be us of this year with a with a home run offseason. I'd watch out for them, too. The Vikings are, in my opinion, and probably last at this point in terms of, uh, you know, my juice meter for next season. Yeah, the interesting thing, I mean, you guys are right. The NFC North is going to be a lot better, and the Vikings slow, and I would agree, are last. But 
uh, they got the best player in the division in Justin Jefferson, which is crazy. So is you never really know what you're get. Kurt coming back, you know. It yeah, go to Atlanta, they, have, you know? they have questions at quarterback. So, it, it again, we can get into all – it's still so fresh. The offseason still isn't even here for two teams yet. But um, it's going to be a different – Sloan, I think you, you nailed it when you said it's going to be a very different message in camp for the Lions and Allen Park. But – It'll Are you be as high on the Bears as I am, Trent? I'm just, I'm just wondering. This is just a, a hypothetical question because I went and watched them in person this year. I went and watched the Lions and the Bears at Soldier Field, and it, it looked like an improved club. They met the eye test, in my opinion, too. I'm just interested in your thoughts on that because I know your thoughts on Green Bay. Yeah, shout out to our good friend JDC, uh, Jada Kassler, who is a diehard Chicago Bears fan. And Had a couple beverages was, with him this weekend. I hope he loves <laughs> I hope he listens to this because he's someone who will probably end up being a regular contributor on the show anyways. We'll just throw him in uh, as, a, as a fourth panelist every now and then. But um, the Bears, Sloan, to answer your question, yeah, I think they're in a great spot because whether they stick with Fields and continue to build around him or they draft Caleb Williams, I mean, they they now have you know the, the offensive infrastructure in place. They're probably going to spend some money on a, on a receiver or something like that, and, and I totally could see them sort of emerging and this is what happens i mean the lions you draw the parallel between how the lions got to where they got this point like it's when you make the moves that the bears did and you acquire those first round draft picks it put it really accelerates your your timeline so i do think i i I will say this though i think bringing back eberflus was a mistake because either way whether you're sticking with fields you're going to draft caleb i think you've got to have an offensive mind at the helm but with that being said, he did really have the guys playing really well at the end of the season, and they came on strong. So, quick one, and this is not a Bears podcast, so I'm the Bears talk is going to be finished. Here. This is no BS, and then you know this is we're talking about this. The B, the B is we're, for we're, Bears. We're passionate yeah, about no. the Bears right now for whatever reason. Eberflus thing is interesting. They really did improve from 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 his previous year to this, and the defense got a lot better with him in charge of it. And they kind of did rally behind him. So I was kind of pro bringing him back. But the question I want to ask, too, and this can be a quick one, is 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 who's under center? Is it Caleb or is it is it Fields? Because I think a lot of I, – I talked to Jay this weekend, and he is convinced that Fields is gone. But I am not as convinced. I'm not personally. either. So I'm not convinced. I think – Who do you – I, I mean, I'm just gonna. I think I think Fields is going to find a way to be under center for them at week one next year. I, that's just what I, I'm interested in your thoughts. I I think the plan should have been, or at least how I would have handled it, is if you're going to go with Williams, I would have replaced Eberflus. If you're going to stick with Fields, you keep Eberflus around. So if they're if that's their thought process, then obviously Fields will be back. Um, I just we see too many times where we have a number one overall pick quarterback, and then the lame duck head coach gets replaced after year one anyways and then they're just a year behind in their development so i think for the best they and i i think fields i don't know if he is a super bowl winning quarterback but i mean with the picks they can get with that number one spot they can build probably the best roster possible to get him there so their offense also stunk last year under luke getsy so you know you get it you get him an actual competent play caller things might change a little bit too but once again not trying to be a nerd here i love your opinion on that by the way matt love it no i'm i'm in lockstep with you guys which i think is kind of the unpopular opinion overall but i i agree with you guys i agree 100 with what matt said if they were going to bring Eberflus back they're probably sticking with fields and they're going to run it back with this group that closed the year pretty strong and they're going to put some 
stronger pieces around him to try to compete because they do have a lot of capital right now. I just personally, and by the way, as a Lions fan, I'm glad it looks like they're taking this route because I don't want Caleb Williams anywhere near this division. I think he's going to be a stud. But again, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. That's a really interesting one. We'll put a we'll put a pin in that. Uh, for the sake of time, we had a couple more questions about the other Detroit teams. We'll circle back on those. A little Colt Keith talk, a little Wings talk. We'll have plenty of time in the coming weeks to circle I'll back get, on that. I'll get and, one more in here as we uh, wrap up our Detroit dance and the lights turn on at the bar as 2 o'clock rolls around. Um, <laughs> you know, because I think I think this is the story right now locally, and it's Earl Curtin. And, uh, you know, this is something that I feel horrible about the last couple of days. Um, you know, I talked to Earl probably about a month ago. Um, you know, I talked to him for a story. I, I work for WWJ, pulling the curtain back here a little bit, and 97 won the ticket. I talked to him uh, about a story about St. Cecilia's and the money they're putting into the gym. And, and um, you know, his passing is, in, is incredibly sudden and unexpected. And, you know, talking to him about a month ago, you could really hear his passion still for the city and for the game and even for the, the direction of the Pistons, which, you know, love you, Earl, man, you know let's get this team turned around, but it's, you know, it's, that's a big story locally and he's gone way too soon. You've heard, you've heard a ton of stories about, uh, you know, what he's meant for, for people in this city and for hoops. I mean, he went to Finney, went to UAD, played for the Pistons. Like that's, you know, that's, that's a pretty rare combination for you to play high school, college and, and professional basketball in one city. Like if you were to collect a group of guys that have done that, it'd probably be a pretty, pretty exclusive club. So, you know, it, this is just, it's been, it's been tough the last day or so. It's really, Really, really sad and sudden news, and, and we're gonna miss we're gonna miss Earl. He was great. Pistons radio as well. You know, I love him, love him to hell, love him to hell, love him to hell. Sloan, thank you for bringing that up. I would have been very sad myself had I forgotten to mention that the impact that he had on the Pistons, the community, and just as a good guy in sports media, they, they don't make him like they used to. So rest easy, Earl the twirl. Uh, I'm a huge fan from afar. I did not great have nickname to too. It is. It's a perfect nickname. Uh, I, I never had the pleasure of meeting him like you did, Sloan. But um, yes, rest easy, Earl. Now, our next two segments, these are two that we really adopted when we did Green or White Report, and we had a lot of fun with them because basically what you can do with these two segments is throw anything at the wall and see what sticks. And you never know where this conversation is going to go and what exit we're taking, what off-ramp we're taking at any given point. It's our NFL rush and our in and out segment. They're basically the same format. We're going rapid fire questions, quick answers. What are your thoughts? And uh, we'll start with the NFL rush before moving into the broader in or out stuff. This um, could be I an absolute ask, speed round. We're ready for this. this. We're all warmed up mm-hmm. here, folks. This we is going to be we great. Got a layer. We'll, we'll go. We'll go. Matt Sloan, Trent. How's that? Uh, Matt, is it too early to call Patrick Mahomes the greatest of all time? I don't think so, especially after the or after the Chiefs win on Sunday. Like I think they will. Um, we kind of had this conversation on the actual Green and White Report last last weekend about how Patrick Mahomes. What else does he have to do? Like eye test wise, you see him play, and no other quarterback has been able to do with the arm talent. But not just the arm talent, but like I mean, Josh Allen has a similar arm talent, but he's a gunslinger that turns the ball over. Mahomes doesn't have that issue. He's able to use his arm in a way where he's efficient, but also can make any play on a football field, can make any throw, and then he's got the winning pedigree that goes with it. I am a person that doesn't believe all the winning has to go with it. Like I don't think MJ is the greatest of all time, even though he has six rings. Otherwise, Bill Russell's the GOAT. So I don't think Tom Brady's simply the GOAT simply because he has seven. 
there's a reason why he won seven, and that's because he was an elite quarterback and did all the right things and was an absolute leader that could rally any team and get them to where they needed to be. And Mahomes can do that. And I mean, we're going to see this year. I mean, so when you talked about it, I don't think it's the Chiefs aren't as good. Maybe the offense isn't, but they don't have any weapons outside of Travis Kelsey and Isaiah Pacheco. Um, Rasheed Rice is a very good receiver, but when Kadarius Tony and Valdez Scantling are your two and three options, most most quarterbacks in this league, about 30 of them, wouldn't be able to get this team to a Super Bowl with that. So I I believe he is the greatest of all time. And after he wins this weekend, he won't have much to do after that. I mean, he's got the MVPs. He's got all the stats to go with it. The eye test. Yeah, I mean, the eye test for me is the biggest thing. You watch him, and he's since he became a starting quarterback in this league. I started thinking about it a couple of years ago. Um, just the willingness to put his team on his back is incredible. I'm going to pump the brakes a hair, and I do think they're going to win it all on Sunday as well. So I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to be out on it at this point, even though I once again think he's going to be raising the Lombardi Trophy here in six days. I still, you know, they're going to have a head coaching change maybe after this year. Who knows? The the status Ooh. of the weapons that are going to be around him is going to evolve a little bit. I'm just, I'm more of in wait and see mode here. But at this point, it is trending in that direction. I will say that. Um, for sure, but I am in a bit of more waiter C mode, so I'm going to be out on this one. But it's not like a hard out; it's like a eh, you know. yeah. You're you're just you're it's buy sell hold. You're holding. I love this question, and I love this debate, and I love this discussion that it's finally starting to pick up the traction that I think it deserves. Because if you don't know, and I know you guys know this ten times over. I'm the biggest LeBron James fan in the world. I love LeBron. I beat the table for LeBron every minute of every day. There are days I have my little I promise wristband and I wear it around like I'm, you know, on the team. I love LeBron. I've always been, even as a Michigan State fan who didn't like Tom Brady growing up, I remember before Tom Brady went on his second little run there when we were in high school, still Sloan, and people were having the discussion then, was it Brady or Montana? And a lot of the Montana guys would say, well, Montana's four for four. And I hated that because I'm like, okay, the people say the same thing about Michael being six for six. And LeBron at that time hadn't even had his third ring yet. So I just, I don't, I'm, I, I like what Matt said about, it doesn't always just come up to count the rings for me. It's eye test. It's ability to, I don't want to say carry your team. Cause I think that belittles a little bit what Andy Reid has been able to do with this handicapped offense and whatnot. But Long story short, my answer to this is no. It's not too early to call him the GOAT, and I think after he wins Sunday, like Matt says, um, and we'll give our official predictions to close the show. Go ahead, Matt. A, a quick question for Sloan, though. What do you need to see from Patrick Mahomes? Because at this point, we've seen pretty much everything from him. I mean, unless he has a catastrophic fall off at some point, which, barring an injury, I don't think that's coming, uh, considering we've now seen him with elite weapons around him and now less than elite weapons. Of just what do you need to see from him to change your mind? Because I don't think like one game can specifically. Because what does him winning on Sunday, getting a fourth ring versus a third ring, what does that change? See, I'm a I am a little bit of a ring counter, and I'm a LeBron guy, and I'm still a little bit of a ring counter. I just think, you know, it it speaks a lot to someone's legacy to go and secure that deal again and again and again and again in a league that's so hard to win. And I have complete faith that he's going to do it again Sunday and. You know they'll, you know he'll grab another couple here in the in the foreseeable future. So that's once again why I'm kind of in hold mode. This is by no means why I'm out because he's physically 
more gifted than, than Tom Brady ever was in his career, which is another thing. I am an eye test believer. So to answer your question, I am a bit of a ring counter, and I will admit that, but I am a LeBron guy, so there's also that. I'm weird. I'm a mutt. All right, let's uh, let's keep it going. We'll stick with football. We'll stick with this game um, and even this team. Andy Reid, here's something that I found interesting. Andy Reid is only 44 wins behind Bill Belichick. We talk about we talk about Bill Belichick chasing Don Shula's record, and everyone thought it was going to happen. Well, now all of a sudden, Bill's out of a job, and I think he will get a job next year. But uh, it's you know he's taking a one-year hiatus. He's not exactly a spring chicken. And Andy Reid, to get to 44 more wins, Andy Reid would only have to coach what four more years now i like you alluded to sloan it, it seems like he might be hanging him up soon so i don't really know but i just i got to think and i'm like damn if andy reed like you said sloan coaches another four or five years wins two more super bowls has the wins record because he sticks around patrick mahomes for a few more years how is he not the greatest coach ever a great argument can be made and i don't I think a lot of people when they go out and win Sunday are going to be like, he's going to hang it up. And I, I'm not convinced of that at all. I think he's got a lot left in the tank. The players love him. He's, he's, he's got the finger on the pulse of the modern game and he's, you know, he looks great. He's, you know, the energy and, and, and the passion for his players is, hasn't taken any kind of dip. That wasn't the problem this year was their lack of weapons. So I think there's no reason why he can't go ahead and chase that number. No, no reason in my opinion, especially with, with who he's got under center and the infrastructure that the chiefs organization is built up, you know, they're, it, it is, it is dynasty mode at this point. The organization is great. Ownership's great. Everything's great. There's no reason why he can't just springboard into it. In my opinion. Matt, do you have thoughts on Andy Reed? I mean, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> offensively, you're allowed to say that. No BS. I don't, because you know I, I, what? If, no. If you were going to say, don't you know? Don't say a BS answer. I can ask you something on this show, and if you don't care about right. it at all, you can say, I don't. I don't. I, know. Don't, I, I don't care. Really I'm not going to BS it. Like, this answer. Acceptable. I'm not going to. You're, you're right. No, no BS. I, I really haven't thought about it because where does he? I don't know where he fits in offensively. I don't think there's a better mind in football. I mean, maybe McDaniel and. Uh, in Miami one day can be considered that, but they got to find yeah, a way to beat a real maybe. football team at some point. Right. Same thing with Shanahan. Um, He's got to wear full length. But, I don't know. I love the Capris <laughs> though. They're great. But He's up. The, I would probably put him top five at coach of all time. I mean, another Super Bowl would obviously help cement him. Um, I don't think he'll get to the win record. I don't think he'll be around long enough, especially with like Sloan said, whether he almost retired after last season. Um, so we'll see how long he continues to stick around. Uh, but I, I don't know if he's better than Belichick. I don't want to count – and the same thing, I don't count rings when it comes to coaches, but I think it's a little bit different because their job, the whole point is to win games versus as a quarterback, it's a team game, so you can only do what you're capable of, but the coach's job is to win. So um, I think – I don't know. It's a – I don't know. It's tricky. What do you think, Trent? The reason um, you keep going, too, these football guys are so wired, man. Like, they just do it till they die. Like – you, you just want to keep going. So, like, there's no reason why he won't. Yeah, just look at Joe Paterno. Hello! Not, probably not allowed to mention him anytime soon, but whatever. Um, No, Matt, real quick to answer. I, I'm a big Andy Reid guy. He's, like, the one guy on the Chiefs and in, in that whole mix that I actually Oh, I love like. Andy Reid. Yeah, I, I've, I've grown to despise Mahomes. He's the I've only one I like at this point, to your point. 
Yeah, he's the only he's the only one that I think is actively likable because he's not polarizing. He says all the right things. He knows his place. He gives the players credit every single week for their wins, whereas Belichick kind of had that standoffish. I still think Belichick's the GOAT, of course. But um, I'm just saying the recent happenings of recent history have really made this conversation interesting. And maybe in five years when we're national and we're, we're, we're coming at you live from the, from the studios in Los Angeles, we can have this discussion again. But um, we'll sponsored couple by more DraftKings. Right, yeah, we'll be spot. We'll be. Oh, I'll be. <laughs> the Merrifield sports book will be a real thing by then. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll have the Merrifield sports book, the number one in America. But a couple more to close out the NFL rush. Things we've alluded to. We can make this somewhat quicker, as quick as possible. I just got. I just want to take everyone's temperature on Brock Purdy. I am of the belief, just to set the tone here. I, I think he's a. You can say he's a system quarterback, but shout out to Herm Edwards, who was a guest on our show this morning. He was like, they're all system quarterbacks. What do you mean? They're all system quarterbacks, unless you're talking about like Patrick Mahomes or even, even Josh Allen. The, the system, you saw they really took off once they fired Dorsey as their OC and switched some things up. So how do we feel about Brock Purdy? The Mr. Irrelevant story is great, but is, is the clock going to strike midnight? I mean, I feel like he's due for a three-interception performance or something like that. And this Chiefs defense, is the is the is they've got the chops to maybe make that happen, Matt. Yeah, I think I, we talked about this yesterday. Um, I, like, is he good? Yes. Is he a top 12 quarterback in this league? I think so. Like, he's got – skills and intangibles that make him a good quarterback in this league. Otherwise he wouldn't succeed. Now we know that Shanahan's offense, as long as you are able to tie your shoes, you can be successful. Jimmy G got them to a Super Bowl. Now he you didn't win, it, but he got him there. Okay. Um, Trey Lance is the only quarterback. I mean, Trey Lance is the only quarterback that hasn't been able to pr produce in that role. And that just goes to show What's why he should not a number three pick in the yeah. draft. Um, but up, Exactly. It says more about him than it does the quarterback or uh, the than it does if you succeed. But Brock Purdy has taken him to a level that Jimmy G couldn't. So I think he is a good quarterback because otherwise he wouldn't be able to succeed. Now, are there quarterbacks in this league that would probably take him even higher? Maybe. But I think like yes. they are the best they've ever been. And part of that is due to Brock Purdy with his legs. And he's still a very accurate passer. can make all the throws needed. I think he is a good quarterback. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really like uh... – I'm not going to be I'm not going to be out on him until he gives me like a succinct reason to like he goes out and has a clunker of a season all year next year like the results and the numbers and tangible things have been there for week after week after week and now month after month after month and they almost took Tom Brady and put him in his place this year apparently that was really close to being a thing and Brock Purdy's just answered the bell around every turn I mean he was unbelievable in the second half against the Lions, which still pains me. And he's going to be, you know, burned in my memory as part of a nightmare, which stinks. But, you know, I guess my short and quick answer is that uh, I'm in on him. I, I'm I, there's no I have no reason to be out on him at this point. I, I think that'd be nitpicking at this point because I mean, you put up numbers that other quarterbacks would win an MVP with this year. So I'm I've got no reason to be out on him at this point. Yeah, I think it's this is one of those kind of a boring where... answer by me, but. No, no, no. I, it's it's honest. It's honest. All we ask is that you're honest, Sloan. That's all I can ask from you. But I, uh, you know, my, my thing with this is uh, this is one of those classic discussions where you'll say he's top 10 or he's elite. And then you start listing guys and you're like, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have 
Jalen Hurts, even with the year he just had over Brock Purdy. And we don't need to open that can of worms. But I think he's fine. He's he's like you said, he hasn't been their Achilles heel or anything. But I worry about him going up against this great defense. And with that, I guess we can roll into our Super Bowl predictions before we close the show with a little in or out. Um, what do you see happening in this game? And Matt, we can go to you first. I think it's going to be close. Um, I want to take the Niners. Like on paper, they're the best team and the better team. Um, but I, we kind of talked about this last week. Like the Ravens on paper are probably a better team on both sides of the ball. But you can't bet against Mahomes. You can't bet against Andy Reid. I'm not going to do that again. I don't know. Actually, I haven't looked. I don't even know what the uh, what the spread is this weekend. I feel like I should know this as the. Yeah, I haven't even looked either. Of, uh, I'll, get into this. Um, I'll get into this more in depth, but it's like I don't even care what the spread is. Let's see. The, yeah, this has got to be a KC spot. I think the Chiefs are getting the the Chiefs are getting two. Um, I would take the. I mean, at that point, you're picking money line. I think. Um, yeah. and I, I would take the chiefs to win this one close. I think it'll be like a 31 28 final. It could go, it could go either way, but I think I'm gonna go with the chiefs in this one to win. I'm thinking like a 31 to 20 chiefs, double digits, barely, but, but nonetheless, double digits. I mean, it's been a spot where you look all playoffs long for them and it's like, oh, you could, you know, scheme a path to them losing in Buffalo. They win. Oh, you know, Baltimore best team in the AFC all year long. They go there, win. Like at this point, like the ball has been rolling and it's got so much steam. Shout out high school physics class. Like I don't, I, I couldn't get myself to pick San Francisco. Like I, no matter what they have on paper, I love Kyle Shanahan. Like we talked about Brock Purdy. Their weapons are unbelievable. Steve Wilkes questionable in these playoffs to say the least, but I just, I don't, I don't think, there is no rational – I couldn't rationalize picking San Francisco under any circumstances in this game. I think this is a Kansas City spot, and I'm kind of not happy about it, but I I see – I pictured my head pretty clearly. I'm not really on the fence on this one. I, I got KC. The Chiefs' track record in the Mahomes era when they are underdogs, which of course is not often, is very, very, very good. They were underdogs going to Cincinnati last season. They were underdogs in the Super Bowl last season against the Eagles. They were underdogs last week in Baltimore, and now they're underdogs again in the Super Bowl this season. And I'm kind of along the lines of Sloan here. What more do you need to see? I'm not betting against Mahomes. I'm not betting against Andy Reid. We know how good Andy Reid is off a of bye week because he's got all that time to prepare. The man is a sheer genius. And as much as I would love to see Kyle Shanahan get that Super Bowl, because him of all those people in that 49ers circle, I mean, it's like him and Christian McCaffrey are the two guys that I'm kind of rooting for the most. I don't see it happening. I really don't. And I'm, I'm more on the side of Sloan. I think this is going to be a double-digit win for the Chiefs. It, it could get – I don't want to say it could get ugly because very rarely is the Super Bowl an ugly game. You know, I mean, in our lifetime, when was – really? I will say this, though, like – Getting points here, in my opinion, is is free money on the side that we're on. I think like that's that is free money yeah. getting points in this spot because wow, I've got a lot of confidence I think in that club. The one thing that has me torn though is like we've seen in years prior, Shanahan kind of have games that they're supposed to win, and then they like the Green Bay game. I felt like was all right. Like the San Francisco team, this has been a spot where Shanahan's kind of laid an egg, and they didn't. Um, and they found a way to win that game, even though Green Bay kind of outplayed them for most of that game. It probably should have won, but they found a way to win. The Lions. He's got no balls, by the way, in terms of his fourth down decision making. <laughs> he's got he's got no balls. Like I'm just we're just gonna put that Jesus. right out there. 
Like he's got no, he's got no killer instinct in the, in, in the big game, in the biggest games almost cost him against green Bay. It, it didn't have to against maybe, but, stop him. but dude need, dude, but they, they, I don't know. I don't know. He can really freaking, they found a team, way. Yeah, they did find a way and you got to credit. They, that. they found a way to come down from zone 17. I feel like Kyle Shanahan teams in years past wouldn't have been able to crawl back from that. Um, so that's what like kind of gets me caught special because everybody now is on the chiefs. Um, but I, I, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs, but I, I, I feel like it's going to be close. I don't, I think both these teams match up really well. Um, and I mean, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Full transparency. I really don't know who I'm going to be rooting for. Ask me on Super Bowl Sunday when I'm absolutely in one, because I plan on getting tanked to cope with the line, the fact that the lions are not in this game, but yeah, it's going to nonetheless, I'm really Sunday, whatever. I'm just Excited. I I mean I'm I'm excited for the commercials. I, every year I kind of hold on to hope that I'll see some of my favorite celebrities. And yeah, it, it's it's just always a good time. And, and and Usher, like Sloan said. But no, jokes aside, of course, it's going to be two great football teams, two great offensive minds going at. There you have it. Uh, we all are we all picking the Chiefs? Matt, are you picking the Chiefs? Yeah, I'm taking the Chiefs. Yeah, Matt's taking the Chiefs. We're all taking them plus the points. Uh, they're two point dogs, which again, I, I just, I don't understand how you can in your right mind, bet against Mahomes and Andy Reid in this era, even with the, you know, trials and tribulations they've had. All right. In or out, we can close this thing out rapid fire again. Um, <laughs> the, I don't even want to ask this, but I feel like it has to get mentioned because it's going to get mentioned 16 times on the broadcast. Are you in or out on Taylor and Travis? How about that? Just in a vacuum. Are you in or out on it? <laughs> Go first, Matt. Oh, I prefer the question you have written on the show sheet of, is it 100% genuine? Okay, okay. Is, is, is Which, Taylor and Travis 100% genuine? No. I'm, I'm in on them being 100% genuine. I think, okay, like, even if they break up, like, they're still, like, I, I don't feel like this is for money. Like, Taylor Swift doesn't need the money. She doesn't need the publicity. She's already the most popular person on the planet as we speak well, that's correct um, but it I sure don't, doesn't I, I think hurt it doesn't hurt i mean she has a new album coming out as she right. announced at the grammys last look i'm not speculating either because i actually i do think they're in love i think they have genuine feelings which we're is also cool. we're not going to get into this at all but there are some crazy political conspiracy theories out there about the <laughs> upcoming presidential election <laughs> and the yes. nfl and their role in this and it's 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 that could be a very interesting wormhole that we're not going to go down. But yeah, it, look, uh, I, yeah, okay. I don't want to polarize any politics or Anyways. anything. I will say this: nothing makes me. I, I I am always entertained, always amused when the far right or far left gets on a roll. It always it always amuses me. I I am genuinely entertained by a lot of the by a lot of the uh, conspiracy theories and and takes that you get, but. Let's uh let's we'll I got I gotta give you I gotta give you my take here real quick on, on, on the relationship oh, because I'm um this is this is my this is my take since the beginning. Taylor Swift <laughs> in Travis Kelsey out. I've never really been a Travis guy, even before this whole Taylor Swift thing. I always thought he was kind of an idiot, and I I never really cared for him that much. And as a player, I mean whatever, he's good. I I, I don't know. I always considered him as kind of a buffoon and I think Taylor can do way better. Go find someone, uh, you know, go find a nice, sophisticated, wholesome young fella and, and, and go get after it because I, you know, like the, the two people we're doing this, I'm doing this podcast with right now 
both great young gentlemen. There are plenty of good young fellas out there. Go <laughs> go find one of them. It's not him. You know, he's not it. Swifties deserve better. I am a Swifty. You know, and we deserve better. So, you know, get him out. Out. Yeah, this is really weird with the worlds colliding because we are such big sports fans. Matt, I know I don't know if you want Allie shouted out or not, but I'm doing it, damn it. Uh shout out to Allie, Matt's girlfriend, who is a diehard yeah, yeah, She and our yeah, former co-worker. And and our former Allie is just an electric <laughs> factory, but you know, we could we could talk about that another time. She's gonna get name dropped a lot on this show, I'm sure. She'll also probably be on the show more than once, many a time. But it's been weird with mm-hmm. the worlds colliding. I will piggyback on what Sloan said real quick. And then we can have Matt close this out because this is probably the longest in or out question we've ever done. But it was a lot more interesting when it was Harry Styles in the mix or something along those lines. I don't need <laughs> I don't need the sports well being poisoned. And again, I'm also a Swift. I'm a big Taylor fan. I like Taylor Swift a lot. I think she's probably the pop star of our generation. It's like her and Beyonce, and then I was hoping SZA would do a little better last night at the Grammys, personally, but. That aside, shout out, <laughs> shout out, says it. But Matt, shout out, Miles Cyrus. No, I gave my thoughts. Okay, all right. Well, then let's move yeah. on. We'll 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 sprinkle a little <laughs> NBA seasoning on the salad here. Uh, Wait, let's move on to Joel Embiid. Yeah, jo- <laughs> I can't. Hey, is is he single? We'll, we'll, <laughs> we should see if Taylor wants to make that call. He's um, a super bum. If, if Travis is just a regular bum, he's a oh, super bum. Well, here's the thing. He is a super wow. bum who has pretty much put the Sixers in position to be a top four team in the East this season. Here's the problem. Uh, he pretty much tore his meniscus. The, the language they're using is not torn meniscus, but if you look up what they're calling it, and the terminology escapes me, it's a torn meniscus. So you're looking at he's probably not playing for the rest of February. You're not going to see him till March. This is a weird NBA playoffs format. My question to you guys is just simple. Do they avoid the play-in or do they slide that far? Because the Sixers without Embiid are not a good team. When he rests, they, they are not very good at all. So, Sloan, where do you see the Sixers kind of sliding in? And when when Embiid comes back, is it going to be too little too late? I think they will avoid the play-in. I think they could be similar to, like, the Brooklyn Nets last year where the Nets, like, traded KD and – Things were ripped apart and Kyrie was shipped out of town, but they still managed to like hold on miraculously. I think it'll be a, a similar situation. I like Tyrese Maxey a lot. I mean, I get that they're not good with no Embiid, but I think I think there's enough there to, for them to, to for them to hold on. And I'm talking like like maybe a six, maybe a five. So we're talking about barely here, but I do think I don't think they'll slip completely. They'll, you know, play 500 ball and you won't slip completely. I think they can play 500 ball at least. Yeah, I think looking at the standings, the the Pacers will probably jump them. The Magic might. But other than that, I don't know. The East, the that bottom middle portion of the East is not great. Um, I mean, I know, like you said, they're not very good, good when he rests, but – um, but the Heat have just they're the, the every year they scuffle until the playoffs happen. The Bulls are without Levine. Thank God he's not a piston. Um yeah, the Hawks don't play defense. Um yeah, I, I, I think they're gonna be fine. They might be that seven 
if maybe the Magic. I mean, they've had a great season. They're probably like the most fun team to follow this year for me. Um, but them. That, they're U of M South. <laughs> and I'm, I'm Duke South. Guy. I'm, I'm not a Apollo guy. I think he's an. I'm, I'm not Apollo guy. Just I'm saying. So, oh, trust me. and I had a front row seat to watch Paolo Bancaro at Bon Secours Wellness Arena twice. Hello, how you doing? But, place. Um, my answer to this question for for Embiid and the Sixers. Um, I beat the drum for Embiid a little harder than a lot of people have been willing to do. I think that all they got to do is stay above. You know, to avoid the play-in, they have to stay six or higher, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to fall to seven or eight without him. Will he be able to do enough when he comes back for the last couple weeks of the season? I don't know. Again, we'll keep these receipts and circle back. But I think the Sixers are in trouble. Um, another NBA question. Will Matt Merrifield's Miami Heat make another run to at least the conference finals? They're in trouble this season. Um, but if the Heat have proven one thing over, over the last you know five, six years since Jimmy Butler has pretty much taken over, it doesn't matter where they're seated. They just got to get in the tournament. So, Matt, what do you think? I don't know. My uh... – they don't play their – I don't – I'm going to say no. I think the issues have been worse this year. I haven't followed them super closely. Um, I hate the heat culture stuff that they wear. Their city jerseys are oh, stupid. Man, that's so cool. It's dumb. It's so dumb, especially when their culture isn't great if every year they can't win in the regular season. I know they've had good postseason success, but – Shout out you, Donna says. Um, And there's 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 – there's these videos I see on TikTok of this guy who does film breakdowns of poor NBA defense, and the Heat are on it every, like twice a week. Like just he's just screaming <laughs> at them to play defense, and they're not. Um, so I don't. I refuse to believe that just fixes itself magically in the playoffs. So I'm gonna go with no. They don't go to the conference finals. I'll go with yes. In Spo, we trust. I think you said it, Matt. They'll have garbage to mediocre regular seasons, and then wind up in like the finals like in 2020, bubble or no bubble. And then obviously last year is what last year was. But there's no – I mean, Terry Rozier in the fold. And I, I don't think – shout out Jaime <laughs> Jaquez. has been very good this year as a rookie. I think there's no reason why they Screw can't him. something together. Screw him. Why? Screw him and not follow. UCLA. What, who, who he followed Aaron Henry. You? I hate Duke more than I hate UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That, I get, you got that right. Um, look, you look at the East, Celtics are a wagon. They always are. And then the postseason comes and it's just Jekyll and Hyde. Nothing about what the Cavaliers do is sustainable, in my opinion. We don't need to even waste our breath on that. Um, so I, if you look at like who actually has a chance to make a run, even, even Milwaukee, they just changed coaches. Doesn't really seem like Giannis and Dame are a great basketball fit. Also, I think that he... Here. Go ahead, the Knicks go ahead. could make a run this year. Yes, thought I was going to get to it. The Knicks are my darling. That's my team that I really, really hope makes a run to the conference finals or beyond. So I'm going to say no on the Heat. But God, it's a soft, it's a soft no on the Heat because I'm more on the side of Sloan that I think they'll figure it out. I love Spo. I think Spolstra, honest to God, hand to God, especially with the Spurs struggling in recent years. I think Spo. Is as good as it gets in the NBA coaching. Like he's he's the best coach in the league, in my opinion. So I've you've no got problem that. with the Heat culture stuff, Merrifield. I think Haslam getting his number retired is a little over the top, in my opinion. But like I just I see, I'm more culture. here for that than I shout out yeah, Pat but... Riley. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. I'm I'm a little I'm a little 
in the middle on it. I think it's cringe, but I think it works for them for what they're doing. It's kind of stupid. They've been around since the '90s, and they really have never been like bad for longer than two, three. Better years that than like the Charlotte Hornets or something. Right. Yeah. Buzz City. Okay. Uh, some quick out. ones to wrap it up. Reports have come out that Killian Hayes wants a change of scenery. I think the Pistons will grant him that wish. My question to you guys is: buy or sell, or excuse me, in or out? Killian Hayes is an NBA player in 2025. Because I'm out. All the way in. I'm in on it. I love Killian Hayes. So because he's he's what's wrong with this league in every way, but I love it so much because maybe it's because he's Detroit and people complain about him on a regular basis. So what you're telling me, Trent, is he can break camp with the team next year, but not be on the roster at the end of the year, which is technically in 2025, and that will answer the. So that would be the fulfillment of this question. Correct. Because okay, so I'll go. I'll go with that. I think he'll. He'll go somewhere this year, and I think I don't. I he's killing it. I have no clue. I can't theorize that. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. Great guy, but this this it, this was one of those vintage Washington Wizard written all over him. This, sure, this take more vintage. of our garbage. Take more of our garbage, Washington. Thank you a vintage ton for taking Marvin Olympic. Bagley's contract. Love that. Yeah, he's that a was... wizard. He's a Charlotte Hornet. He would have been a Sacramento King if this was You're like three years ago. You're basically sending Killian to prison. You claim to like this guy. You claim to like this guy, but you want him to get traded to the Wizards <laughs> or Charlotte. You're basically you're like exiling him. You can't say you like him and then want that. No, I, but I that do. Was, uh, I, 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 to answer the question, I think he'll break or, camp I'm, with the club. I'm, 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 he, there are worse he'll break teams. Break camp with the club at the end of next, at the beginning of next year, and he won't make it through this season. That's my prediction. Even the start of the 25-26 season, he'll be on a team. Well, I keep in mind, he's, also, he's he's French. He might want to play overseas at some point if he's not getting any playing time because I think he absolutely sucks. And I I have been in his corner for five years, or however many years it's been. Four. This year broke me. That's it. I got nothing. I got nothing for Killian Hayes anymore. He's terrible. Monty um, Williams okay. was such a big advocate of him. Like a huge advocate of him, and then he just was like, even he gave up on him. It's like, so that's all I need to know. Shout out Monty, we're not dead. No, you're so deficient. He is. He, no, you have no Monty Williams. There's no, there's no future. Troy Weaver. No, he's not. It's thanks it's for using the cap person. space on Joe Harris. Oh, anyways, dear lord, we don't need it. We don't need it. We'll have this conversation a different week. I love ripping on the Pistons. Nothing brings me more joy. Right. Says the guy who does not have an NBA team. Let's right. ask this question just to close out close out the in or out segment because I think this is really interesting. Right now, the two teams that made – I mean, they played in the second round of the playoffs last season. It's kind of become a little bit of a rivalry with LeBron against the Warriors. And look, there I go again, mentioning LeBron and not the Lakers. But, hey, it's the world we live in. As we sit today, the Lakers are in the playoff picture, but they're in they're in the play-in side of it, and the Warriors are twelfth in the West, so they're they're missing it completely. So I want to ask you guys: Do you think that result holds? I mean, we're we're coming up on the All Star break. We've got a pretty decent sample size here. It looks like the Lakers are what they are, which is kind of what they were last season, the seventh seed, and then but they, no one wants to play them in the playoffs because it's LeBron and AD at the end of the day. And the Warriors missed the playoffs. Sloan, do you think this result will hold? I always saw the most recent Warriors title as the last one for that dynasty. 
couldn't necessarily tell you why. It just was more of a gut feeling thing. But I think it's t- it's probably time. I think Clay Thompson's going to be wearing a different uniform here pretty soon. You, you could even see Steve Kerr go back to TV or something. I mean, you, you, you never know. But I think that result will hold. I, you know, when it, with the Lakers, I don't, I really don't think they're going to sneak into the playoff as opposed to the play in tier. It's just, it, what, it, there's something disjointed right now about what's going on there. I don't, I, it's hard to put my finger on what it is because there's a lot of talent on that team, but there's just, I think the West is just, there's just too many good teams for them to climb at this point in the, the game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it holds as well. I think the Lakers will still be a playing team. It just, I think that's just how good the West is. Just so much talent, especially towards the top. Uh, a lot of young talent too. I think it's just the changing of the guard. Um, obviously, LeBron's still one of the best players on the planet. Not obviously still at what is he now? Thirty nine years old or whatever it is. Um, but I just, I, th- I agree with you. So I think the Warriors. I think that dynasty is kind of gone. This isn't like the team that finished in last. And like, what was it, 19 before they got Wiseman? This isn't that. This isn't – everybody's healthy. they just just not there anymore. Lakers also got to figure this thing out here because it's like LeBron's playing at a really, 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 really high level, and it's just not equating to Ws right now. And whether that's Darvin Ham or the, the pieces on the team around him or I think Palinka's a joke, and I thought he's a joke for years. I think it'd be great if they had a real executive in there, in my opinion, but – they got to get something figured out here because father time is, is going to come calling for Brown here at some point. So they got to get this thing figured out because he's playing at an, at an incredibly high level, a, a level high enough to where, you know, he can be the centerpiece of a title winning team. In my opinion, I think he's still playing at that kind of level. They get it's needs. Something needs to give here. I don't know what I haven't put my finger on that yet, but something's got to give. Couldn't agree more. Biggest LeBron fan in the world. Again, I love him last season. I think this this team has potential to be able to do what last season's team did. Make the playoffs or the play-in, whatever, survive that, and then you're dangerous and no one wants to play you. John Morant and the Grizzlies didn't want to play them. The Warriors didn't want to play them. And then, they, I mean, the, the Nuggets pretty much took care of them. But I think that's what this Lakers team ceiling is. They can get back to the conference finals this year. So as, as currently constructed, sure, I think this result holds. And with that, we will close out the show as we are now a half hour over schedule, but that's okay because you, the listener, can skip through <laughs> if you think we're talking too much. Um, we'll put a lot we're going to do our gambling pins, segment. So. Lots, lots of pins. In the spirit of Bill Raftery, we are naming our gambling segment Send It In because all <laughs> we do is hand out winners. This was a vintage green and white report staple. It's how we close every show. We sent everyone on their merry way to make a lot of money. So I will throw it to either one of you, whoever wants to get us started. Is there a game, a line, a prop bet for the Super Bowl, anything this week that you think is an absolute lock? And by the time we talk next Monday, you will have made our listeners some money. Merrifield, you can go first because I'm perusing the board right now as we speak. Oh, yes. I mean, there's always a safe bet, and it's UConn at home. I've prepared actually two uh, wacky ones. One is a little wackier than the other, but okay. So here's here's what we're gonna do. So tomorrow, seven o'clock, ESPN Plus, the uh, Kent State is going to host Western Michigan, and uh, Kent State is is giving ten and a half 
DJ Stevens has done some really nice things in Kalamazoo in year two. I'm going to take the Broncos in the points tomorrow. And this is a little bit more serious, but I see a lot of points here. Butler has been a uh, an upstart team this year. They're 15-7. and seven. They're coming off a big win against Creighton. And I like Creighton a lot. So tomorrow, Butler's getting 13 and a half Creighton. at UConn. I'm going to take the dogs in the mm-hmm. points. They could lose by 10. And 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 you're and you're getting a, a W there, and you're taking that to the bank. So we're going with we're going with two large spreads. We're going with Broncos and Bulldogs tomorrow. A little twofer. You guys know Sloan. I love that. By the way, I'm going to stay in college hoops for fun because you guys know that I love the money line on the underdog. I hardly ever take the points when it's the underdog. I only take the points if it's the favorite. Florida State is a three and a half point dog at BC tomorrow. I love. Didn't they just the lose to Louisville? plus one thirty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They've got plenty of horrendous losses this season. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> I love Lenny Hamilton, and I will take the plus one thirty <laughs> on the road. All the talk down here, guys. You forget. I'm down in the Sunshine State. All the talk down here. All the rage is that the Florida State Seminoles or the Miami Hurricanes need to figure things out and make the tournament. And I think it's going to be the Knowles. I'm rocking with them. I'm hitching my wagon to them. Plus 130 on the money line. You can get them at plus three and a half if you're a little more nervous than I am. But I take it to the bank, baby. Go Knowles. I don't just like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Actually, I have, I have a second pick. I don't know what the spread will be, but Wisconsin goes to Ann Arbor on Wednesday night. Just take the Ooh, Badgers. Good pick. Just no, yeah. no value, but it's a, it's a, it's automatic. I mean, so it doesn't I matter. It's Jawan Howard and his Ju- it's last final days. It's it's been Joe over. Unfortunately, I wish it wasn't. He's not going to get fired, though. I guarantee you. I guarantee you, he will be coaching that team at the beginning of next year. We could only be so lucky. It. I bet yeah. my life is going to happen. There's well, zero one thing's chance. one thing's clear: their boosters and their fan base clearly don't give a shit about Michigan basketball. So that, that they, they, I mean, because come on, what 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 is the standard there? What are we doing? Everything John Beeline did, he just knocked it down. And now, it, <laughs> if you think about it, his best years were when he still had Beeline's guys. And now John Beeline was a problem up here for for Spartans everywhere. I mean, they Beeline was a was a rocket man. They were rolling when he was there, (laughs) rolling. And then of course he starts he starts bringing in his kids on the team and all this other stuff. Like, what are you doing, man? Chase Howard shouldn't be playing. (laughs) No, you're terrible. That that loss to Rutgers was really bad this weekend. I mean, that was. That was like it's 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 panic time in Ann Arbor, but I don't think anyone cares. To your point, hockey school in the winter. That's correct. Well, there you go. Matt gave two winners. Sloan gave a couple out. I'm just sticking with one this week. But as we know, as we turn the corner here from football season to college hoops, I will be sending it in with at least probably five picks next week. So that's all for our first episode. The maiden voyage, if you will, of no BS with Bally and Sloan and Merrifield. Guys, any famous last words from you? I'm proud of Matt. There was a couple times when he could could have given a BS answer, but he chose not to and was basically, you know, just opted out. That's fine because that's no that is no BS. So very proud of you. That's that that's you know, that's that, that's that, that's the genuine nature of who you are. Trouble. That's all for your first episode of No BS, where we shoot from the hip. And we shoot straight, no matter what. We'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. And as always, 
Go green.